ain't nothing about just his luck. Boy, this ambition. Nothing gets in our way. We on a clear mission. We making plans. We just trying to lift society. Working so hard that we growing notoriety. And we born to drive. Yeah, it's inside of me. Eric, Mark, and James. We giving game. They inspiring. Adam clear with the vision. It's so deployable. You do what you want when you live in life. Unemployable. I'm not sure where today's podcast is going to be meeting you, but wherever you are, this one is very, very special. It's with a very dear friend of mine, Rick Cowley, who has been one of the most influential voices in my life as an entrepreneur, specifically helping me find peace, helping me find direction and guidance in this crazy journey of entrepreneurship. I joined Rick when I was in the midst of the worst anxiety that I ever had in my life to the point where I was being hospitalized from it. Uh, and Rick sort of guided me to where I am today in a really deep and profound way. Rick joins me in the studio now where we talk about his life-changing work that he's done for more than a decade, more than 65 retreats with hundreds, probably thousands actually of entrepreneurs, business leaders, business owners, and just everyday people that are craving to find a deeper sense of meaning in their lives. So no matter where this uh, message finds you today, I invite you to relax, sit down and listen to a beautiful conversation with one of life's beautiful people, Rick Cowley. It's really a special one. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right. So good to have you here, brother. How are you, Rick? Good. Thanks, Adam. Uh, I'm great. I woke up at four this morning to um, come here from a family holiday. Uh, but it worked out perfectly as a stop on my way back home. So to walk in here and see see you on the phone and see the space that I've seen in some of your videos and um, and your social media stuff, this is a beautiful creation. I'm very excited, very honored to be here. Yeah, you know, I was thinking before you came, and thank you for saying that, but um, it's really cool that you're one of our first guests here on the couch because you really are instrumental in me being here doing this work now in a new iteration of myself. Um, for the guests listening to this, Rick and I have a very special friendship that goes back a number of years and Rick has been a really pivotal person in my life um, in terms of finding purpose and finding meaning as an entrepreneur. So if you're listening to this today and you're overwhelmed, you are maybe in a black space uh, which I was when I met Rick. Maybe you're feeling like, what's the point of life? Um, don't want to build up too much pressure on you here, Rick, but um, that pretty much describes where I was. I was in a very dire place when I met you, not struggling with addictions, but borderline depression. Um, and from the outside, I looked like I was doing great. I was living in Los Angeles. I had a booming animation company. I had a fancy home in Beverly Hills. And I was absolutely dying inside. And uh, a friend actually recommended me to you, or recommended you to me rather. And she said to me, Adam, you need to go see Rick. And uh, I think a lot of people over the years have said those exact words due to the work that you do. And so I did that. And um, we'll dive into what that means for those of you listening to go see Rick. But essentially, uh, at the time, I remember being in Los Angeles going to your website and reading what you had to say there. And it was so beautifully articulated, authentically, no screaming headlines, no sales pitch, um, 
just an authentic human communication around the work that you were doing and who it was right for that resonated so deeply that I couldn't wait to actually have my call with you. Mm. And um, not long after, I found myself on a little island called Lombong and off the coast of Sanua, Bali, to meet this dude, Rick. And, um, and it was life-changing. And we might dive into that, you know, that experience I had with you a bit as well um, because it was profound. But Rick, in your own words, what led you to do the work that you do today? Like, what was the seminal moment in your life that um, led you into creating Vision Quest and um, and doing this kind of soulful work for more than a decade now? Mm. Well, the, the the seed for the the process and the work that I do was planted firmly when I had leukemia at 21 years old, and um, this is a cool question. That to be asked because this is a question that I ask others when I work with them about looking at how one of your greatest creations in your life came to reality from the time that it wasn't even an idea yet because there's there's a time when you don't even know that you have a dream or you have you know a purpose and then somehow it gets put in your mind and then what's the process that it goes through how did you invite that idea into your into your awareness and then how did you nurture it till it became you know just just this reality so for me yeah that that really happened when i had leukemia at 21 years old and it was uh yeah it was really scary it was very uncomfortable it was you know i was faced with this uncertainty of would i be alive in a year or six months or one month and when I got sick, I, w- I was really sick. Like, I, I got very physically sick. I got sick when I was in Indonesia after living there for a year on a very remote island is where I actually fell sick. So it was like island hopping back to um, the States where, you know, I'm, I'm from and getting my first treatment in Hawaii. And that was a total just an interrupt in my life. And, you know, I was, I was going to university um, I was kind of a pretty typical uh, 21-year-old. Um, I'd always been a, a seeker, you know, always interested in philosophical ideas and spiritual ideas and deeper experiences. And, um, you know, pretty pretty sensitive soul and liked to feel, I feel a lot. I like to feel things, I like to feel connection with people and connection with life and the great flow, as I like to call it. And... In that time, you know, you just, you just, the rug gets pulled out from under you when you're faced with a diagnosis like that, like an, an illness like that. And it was, you know, I think what was unique about it was I was 21 years old. You know, most 21-year-olds are just thinking about partying and girls or guys or passing their exams. And I, I wasn't really into university. It was just kind of like a what was expected of me and almost like a holding pattern, you know, until I had to become an adult. And this just pulled the rug out from under under me and made me question, you know, ask the biggest questions in life. Like, who am I? What do I really want my life to be about? What do I want to create? What would I love my work to be? What would I love my impact to be, my influence on people? And when you're faced with your mortality like that, then it kind of brings everything from like, yes, someday I'm going to 
volunteer or I'm going to create this service or this product or, you know, be part of this organization to going, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be around in a month. Like this right here is this beautiful, sweet moment, you know, this, this, uh, um, like the nectar of life is happening right now. We have to drink it right now. So the, the being forced to face my mortality and then starting to dialogue with a deeper part of myself, which came through um, uh, a mentor that I had at the time who kind of taught me and helped me tune into that deeper voice inside of myself, which, as you know, is exactly what I do for people. And it wasn't until, you know, many years later that I started doing this work that I discovered that I have a knack for that, for making the space to um, guide other people back to that subtle whisper of their soul inside and hear answers for their life about whatever questions they want to ask. So that was, um, that was the, where the seed was planted and uh, and then, yeah, it was, it was many years until I actually ran my first retreat. And that's where, that was another huge, like, turning point in my life where I'm like, okay, this is, this is a whole new experience for me of making a difference for people and feeling a sense of fulfillment and purpose. And that's something that I've created and a, an experience that I've facilitated for people can have a profound and life-changing effect. And I, I haven't looked back since then. This has been my life's work, just developing this and supporting people through the process and improving it. Yeah, I think in today's world where there is so much uh, to pull us away from ourselves, right? We're constantly looking outwards and we've constantly got social media and comparing ourselves with what's going on and the pace of life. We just generally move away from that being at peace and with ourselves for a moment and connected and it's actually really like a disease, right? It can, it, it's disease of the soul to just completely lose sight of who you are, where you are. And I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this that honestly don't know where they are, which way is up anymore, which is where I was when I found you. I was, as I said, living in Los Angeles and suffering from severe anxiety, like completely. Um, I, first time I had it, I thought I was having a heart attack. I was underneath my animation studio on Hollywood Boulevard and I went down to stairs with all my staff members to go get a coffee and I just felt my heart race. And I thought, oh my God, what's happening? Call an ambulance. And I was on the floor lying there and they picked me up in a, in a fire truck as they do in LA. The fireys pick up people for as an ambulance and rush me to hospital. And then for months after I suffered from seriously acute anxiety attacks to the point where I was almost agoraphobic and didn't want to go outside for a period of time. Um, and uh, yeah, and then when I flew to Bali and started to work with you, what you've just articulated, helping people sort of come home to, to themselves and to their soul and really ask those really bun, uh, basic questions and creating the space for it is just, that is a skill uh, that, that you do so, so well. And I'd like to dive into that very, very uh, experience in a minute, but I just wanted to ask you, were you faced with that, like, that dire a diagnosis that it was like it could be a month it could be three months or you you might make it how like that must have been terrifying yeah i think the 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 scariest and the most difficult thing was just that 
I was so sick. When I fell sick, it was like a, a switch just flipped in my body. My immune system just turned off. And I'm on this island in the middle of nowhere in oh the eastern God. Indonesia. So we'd like, we'd, we'd fly or take a boat to the next island and just rest for a couple of days expecting that I would get better. But I didn't. I would just keep getting worse. And it got to where it was um, very difficult for me to eat because I had uh, like a sore throat on steroids. So it was like ulcers opened up in my throat. So it was very painful to eat, painful to drink. Um, high fever. So by the time I got medical treatment, I was like a skeleton, like I was 30 pounds lighter than I am now. And, um, you know, went straight to the hospital. My parents flew to Hawaii and met me there. So that was, you know, that was a, that was about a month period of recovery right then where it was just, I couldn't eat, could barely drink. Just it was all like IV, you know, nutrition and hydration and, um, so that was, that, was, that was the hardest, scariest part. And I was so sick that when they said, you know, we've got some, we suspect Rick has leukemia. I was so sick. All, all I just wanted was more Demerol to, to numb the pain that was in my throat. And so it was much, it was much more scary for my parents mm. who were there, who, who had to stand by my bedside looking at me and get this news. And um, I remember maybe it was years later they told me when they got that news they went into the hallway and to to cry like afterwards and just bawled their eyes out and held each other because they didn't want to do it in front of me you know so in a way it's even worse for the parents and as a parent now I you know I, I could say that I would much rather get sick myself you know than see my my child sick mm -hmm. but um you know they said this is one of the most successfully treated leukemias um and that because of my age being 21 that i would bounce back from the chemotherapy quickly which i did you know it's, it's definitely not a fun process to go through it was about four months of chemotherapy but you know i bounced back and you know regained all my weight and got strong and healthy and that, this was um you know I'm, I'm 47 i was 21 so it was 26 years ago you've had a lot of surfing since then yep yeah yep. <laughs> So let's go back to that time where you uh, are starting off Vision Quest. Where did you first begin the journey of helping others? And um, can you just walk, walk us through how you started and then we'll talk about Vision Quest as a program and, and what it does and, and why it does it so well. And I'll share my personal experience for the listeners as well, having done it twice now. Mm. Um, but where did it start? It started... The, the very first version of it started as a retreat that I ran for young adult cancer survivors. And this was something that I'd wanted to do some guided, some sort of guided experience for people to help them reconnect with themselves and, and find their flow again in life. Like that was, that was the theme when I first started. You remember when you did it, it was called surf life. Yes. So, um, and the reason that I decided to work with young adult cancer survivors is because that was a group that I knew that I could help. And I didn't have the confidence yet, you know, to, to kind of take it into the world and work with professionals and business owners like I do now. And yeah, I think that was, you know, that was like my bridge to offering what I truly wanted to do. But before I had that proven track record and that self-belief, I had to find that bridge. And I knew that young adult cancer survivors, even if I sucked at it, even if the program wasn't good, even if the questions weren't good, that just seeing me healthy, I had a, had a beautiful young family, 
um, we all kind of, you know, pitched in a bit for the, for the retreat and I raised money. So there was no charge for the participants. And I just kind of, I had to find my own bridge to bring it into reality. Um, before, before I'd proven myself or proven the, the worth of the program. So, and what happened was this, uh, we, there really was an experience of surfing life. Like we were in a flow and you know, you've been to the retreat. It's like you're in a, uh, like an alternate time re warp reality kind of a thing. Like yeah. time just flows, the activities flow, what's happening inside of you. There's a lot of flow of energy inside of you and you're accessing deeper parts of you. You're accessing this information about what is your true direction? Who are you? What do you want? And so that, that experience, that first retreat was really magical. It was very powerful for the participants. There was a lot of moments where we laugh, we're laughing out loud. A lot of moments where we were in tears, in tears together, or, you know, someone sharing something and, and you, you know, that experience as well. Um, and I, I think that combination of where the funniest stuff happens and everyone's just pissing their pants, laughing and having a great time and just being them, their silly selves, as well as these moments of really deep, raw honesty about their failures, their fears, their dreams, their hopes. It's such a beautiful combination. So that first retreat is when, you know, I mentioned really redirected my life where I went, this, this works, I can make it better. And I went on to run uh, a number of uh, uh, more uh, young adult cancer survivor retreats. I, I did about six of those. And then um, when I went through a big change in my life and kind of reinvented myself and relocated to Bali, where that was my base for many years and started running the retreats for entrepreneurs and professionals who were like you, you know, kind of had achieved some success, um, but were at a point where they felt empty and unfulfilled, and they're going, well, there's got to be more. There's got to be more meaning than this. There's got to be, I, I must have a, a bigger purpose than this. Yeah. So for the, for the listeners um, here, the retreat after that, when you went into Bali and you started doing them, I guess the first few of the cancer survivors, you were getting down the structure of the retreat. And then you started the surf life retreats, which evolved into Vision Quest. So those first surf life, surf life retreats that I went to, maybe you could just talk quickly about, because for people listening, many haven't been to a retreat. And, I, and it's not like we all sit around and drop ayahuasca at these things. <laughs> these are completely unassisted, so to speak. But how long are they? How is it sort of roughly structured? Just so people can get that, that, that little side of their brain that's going, but what do, what do you do and how do you do it? Sort of get that done, then we'll talk about the, the meat and potatoes a bit. Sure, good idea. And, you know, when I, when I ran my first retreat, I'd never been on a retreat before. Mm -hmm. So it really was a blank slate. And I just went, okay, what would be the most amazing experience that I would want to do? Yeah. Um, what would be the most fun and fulfilling thing that, that I would want to, you know, participate in myself? And that's what I created and just improved from there and so and it has gone through many iterations over the years when you did it uh there was there was a workbook a printed workbook is, Correct. That, is that right yep. but before that there wasn't a workbook i would right. just write a question on a piece of paper put it in the middle of the table and we'd sit down do a little breathing and then people would look cool. at that question and and uh and journal the answer to it uh, but right now, it's it's become a, a system that is that's just been 
improved over these 13 years of doing it and 60 plus retreats. And the backbone of the experience is the Vision Quest program, which is a sequence of 28 modules. Each module has a guided meditation and a writing exercise. The writing exercise can consist of a few different questions. Sometimes they build on each other. And basically, the process isn't about filling you up with more ideas. I'm, I'm not there to teach or to pump you up or hype you up. I'm there to make a space and put, help you find a state where you are tuning out the, the noise, the, the conscious thinking mind is chilling out and moving to the side, and you're able to hear that deeper voice inside of you and listen to it and write down what it's telling you. And the, the exercises do build on each other and they happen in a certain sequence because we have to take care of some things in order for you to hear that deeper voice. Uh, and namely, that's the fear. And the fear is usually what keeps that kind of treasure chest inside of you hidden. So we have to do something with the fear to distract it or pacify it so that you can open up that chest and see what's in there. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I did it on the last day when you brought it all together and the madness of your process becomes very clear with the last exercise and everything we'd done pre, pre sort of built up like a, like a great film or a novel or a book. All the, all the narratives came together and you're left with this in the, you know, one shining outcome, which I don't want to say too much because I'd like people to go and experience it. But it was very, very powerful. And I might share my experience of what you've described please. there yeah, um, because I think for the listeners, um, you would, they would find it powerful. And I want to try and take them on the boat, so to speak, and the experience because I've been around personal development and seminars for a long time and there's just something magical about going off together to a live event whether it's a day with tony robbins or something when you get out of your environment and you go to a new environment and hang out with a group of people that are all as crazy as you as opposed to feeling like you're the crazy one um in life or wanting more you know wanting to got that itch that you can't scratch kind of thing so for me i i went from los angeles super stressed suffering from serious anxiety and for context it was when all that terrorism stuff was going on and there was that crazy butcher called john i don't know if you remember this terrorist called john this young guy and he was cutting people's heads off with a bread knife on camera and uh terrorizing the world i think it was john or something like that that was his crazy nickname and it really really affected me and i don't it, there was just something inside of me that was just not afraid, just sad um, about the state of the world. And I, and I was in LA and I didn't have a lot of old friends there that I'd known. Uh, there was sirens 24-7. I was running three companies. Uh, and anyway, I, was, I was, just wasn't in a great place. So I went over to Bali, um, got into uh, Denpasar and then uh, to Sanua, following the instructions to this sort of fishing area. And, we, and then at, it was at the markets. Um, where the boats are there and I've been back many times since and I've done a lot of work there with the John Fawcett Foundation which is a whole other thing that came out of our time together but I remember meeting you for the first time there on the edge where the, where the wooden boats were and and uh, then we caught that boat over to Lombongan so you're on this little boat off an island <laughs> and then we went over to Lombong and then we got on the 
these scooters is sort of like this frenzy of local Balinese people going, scooter, 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 you know. We get on a scooter and then we go across that bridge, that yellow bridge to another little island where you had booked out this whole little resort with like five or six rooms. Jenny's place is Australian woman that owned it. Eight so rooms. Eight what's rooms. that? Eight, eight rooms. rooms, yeah. So there's eight rooms. It's fully catered. And uh, I'm still wound up in LA time really when I get there. And I was there, I think, a day or something before most people and you were there. And that was the first time we got to sit down. It was actually an early dinner. And I don't know if you remember this, but um, I, I settled into my room. You said, hey, come, we'll have dinner together at, at six o'clock or something. And uh, so here we are. And it's this sort of panoramic, breathtaking view over the Indian Ocean. I think it is up there. And so I sit down opposite you, and we're the only ones sitting there under this sort of grass-roofed rotunda. Um, and you said to me, how you doing? And I was like, you said it in a way that you actually were interested in the answer. And I was like, I don't think you really want to <laughs> dig into that too much. And of course, in your way, you just sort of looked at me silently and... And anyways, we, you know, I told you of my troubles and, uh, and how I was suffering from anxiety and depression. And, and I was waiting for some profound um, intervention. And, and you said to me, um, Adam, I want you to pay attention to the salad when it comes out. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. I'm throwing it all the way here to Bali to listen to this hippie dick about fucking salad. So the lovely young girl comes out and she puts down our salads before the main meal. And, I, and I'm like, you, you go like, you said to me, Adam, the, the, the ingredients in this salad, these guys went ashore this morning, early in the morning to the markets and would have handpicked that out of the best stuff that, that was available. And they've gone over on the boat and they're back. And then all day they would be preparing the food that is going to be served to us in about 20 minutes time. And, uh, and here we are sitting on this, you know, on this table. And, and you said, these guys over here, see the guys over there? And you, you know, waved to them. You knew them all. They're all family. Uh, they built this for their bare hands. They carried the rocks from the quarry down the bottom. They labored for three months under the Balinese sun to lay these bricks and to put up these logs and to put this roof on for us to just sit here and be served like kings. And all of a sudden, I felt like an enormous asshole, and I realized, you know, how in my head I was, and how I was so focused on my problems of living in Los Angeles with a multi-million dollar business, and you know, all the stuff that's so Instagrammable, that I failed to notice in that moment just how insanely blessed I was. And you said, the crazy part is, Adam. She's going to come back in about 10 minutes and she's going to ask us how this salad is and she's really going to want to know um, if we're happy because these people really want us to be happy as guests on their island here because they're never going to go anywhere. This is their life. They're not going to be in Italy in summertime. They're never going to go to Australia. You know, this is their life. This is what they do. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I'm sitting here being fed like a king overlooking this unbelievable ocean and i'm so lost and so far from home spiritually that i'm i don't even know what's going on in my own life i feel like a i'm in a spaceship in my own reality you know mm. and that is western life sometimes that's how far away from home we can get and then that started to really open me up for the experience to come over the next few days 
and those early morning writing sessions that you used to, you'd say, all right, guys, no speaking, silent sessions until after morning exercise physical. So for everyone listening, what that, what that entailed was we would get up before the sunrise and Rick would set out, there was eight of us, I think, at the retreat or six or something. We each had our own little private table right on the edge overlooking the ocean and a candle and on the table was a question. So we'd take our journal, the, the question was on the table and we couldn't talk to anybody else and it was no sunrise. And you taught us that we do that work then because we are the closest to our dream state. It is before the world invades our mind. It's the closest to spirit that we are all day. And so with a degree of cynicism, I just surrendered to the process. And once that pen started moving with questions that were very, very well considered based on the life history that you've had, I started to hear that voice crystal clear, like it was dying to literally dying to be heard. And it'd be like, oh my God, thank God, Rick, big hug (laughs) from that little voice. Like finally, you've made this guy slow down and actually listen to me for a minute because I got some shit we need to talk about. (laughs) And then over the coming, I think there were four or five days back then, I can't remember. Yeah, would have been, uh, I think it was a week. A week, yeah. yeah. Over the course of that week, we have these massive aha moments and shit that's coming out of us that, that has just been waiting to come out for a long time and then we would do our morning movement and uh you played that song every time i hear that musician narco it's like your favorite dude right yeah. medicine for the soul yeah. and uh we would do you know i remember sitting around the first yoga session and you guys were all sitting there with your legs crossed comfortable on the floor and you're like what what would you how would you describe a good week here from an exercise point of view and, and when it got to me i was like if I could just sit here and not be in massive pain in my knees and my hips, that would be a huge win. Like, cause I couldn't even sit without pain in my knees and hips and all the rest. I just realized I'm just a work machine. I just nothing. So this physical side as well, but that was my experience of my first vision quest. Um, that was just life changing. And I can tell more about what happened during that week, but maybe you want to reflect or, react to that before I tell you the rest of that story because it gets better <laughs> yeah it's so fun to hear to hear your story of it because mm. it, it brings up key parts of the process and memories um, that are specific to you and your retreat but then just memories of how things came to be like how we started doing the silent sunrise sessions and the first thing I want to say is that 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 message of be appreciative be grateful for your life for all of your blessings and your achievements and just the fact that you're still kicking around this earth today you got another day here i know that message uh landed deeply with you because that's been you you've shared that message in on stages in front of thousands of people reminding people hey you know if you live you live in australia you live in the us you are one of the most blessed people on this planet don't forget it start from there it's it, it is that one singular idea so simple it's easy to dismiss as like personal development and trite and all of that but that one singular thing in my opinion is a cure all for anxiety um sadness not you know not not clinical perhaps but the fastest route to happiness is um, gratitude. 
and it's free, like genuine gratitude. And, and you can do it at any time of the day. Mm. Stop focusing on your problem and start focusing on your blessings. It's so simple. It sounds like a meme, but it's life-changing. Yeah. And, I, you know, we, we, like you said, we all, we've heard this idea a thousand times, 10,000 times, and yet we can sit here and have a home and a car and a family and money in the bank and success and still go, uh, I just don't really have much to be grateful for. You don't feel it. Like you can think about it. You can think about these things, but it's not connecting like this sense of gratitude, like a gratitude that can move you to tears for how rich your life is and how much you've been given. And that's what, the, so, you know, that's one of the key kind of stages in the process. And we've got some, some sneaky tools that work to connect you with a sense of gratitude and just wonder at all you've done and, and created and given and received in your life. And, you know, one, one point I want to make is that, that it's, it's difficult to find answers to the questions if you answer, if you ask the questions directly. So if you go, you know, you know, what do I have to be grateful for? You can find, I mean, it kind of depends. If you're already open and, and the gratitude's flowing, you might be able to connect with that real emotional sense of gratitude. But there are other questions that connect you with a physical sense of gratitude, physical and emotional sense mm. that's different than what am I grateful for? And like, like what's my purpose? If, imagine if I just said, well, Adam, what, what's your purpose? Ask yourself that question here, fill in this yeah, page. Yeah. There's questions that like prime you that are asking from different angles. And then all of a sudden you answer the other questions and the purpose appears. What are my dreams? We, we have to do uh, these other questions kind of go in the back door because the fear is there trying to guard you and go, no, 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 I don't want you to get that clarity because that clarity is going to change your life. And the cynicism too. Yeah. I think, you know, like, oh, like I remember going, God, seriously, you think the answer to my problems is in a bowl of salad? Mm. And you could have said, yeah, actually I do. Mm. But you said, just play along with me. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> there is a method there to it. There's a method to it, you know? And yeah. I think that's very powerful because we do jump in our ego, our fear, our cynicism stops us. And sometimes you need to be in a space where, where you feel differently and you have the right mentor to guide you, as you say, with these very carefully constructed questions that are designed to unlock um, that stuff. It certainly happened for me. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I, I'll tell a little bit more of the story because I, um, I'd been toying with the idea of selling my business, my animation company in Los Angeles. And on the third day, it was absolutely clear to me that I needed to do that and I'd had brokers in LA that had been saying we can sell the business for you we've got people who would like to buy it you know um, I said look here's my financials I'm going to Bali and I went to Bali and um, I texted them on the Wednesday and on the Friday on Lombongan via a fax machine I'd sold the company for more than I'd asked for it I had two letters of offer with cover letters faxed to me it was like <laughs> What are you? Where are you? Yeah, Who has like a fax a, machine like a anymore, 1992 right? 1992 fax machine. <laughs> yeah. So he sends me a fax because there was no internet or whatever was going on. I can't remember, but they faxed it to me and, uh, and I accepted the offer. And then I went back to LA and did the handover and I made some enormous changes while on that. Island. I signed it in board shorts. I think I've got a photo somewhere of me in board shorts at that big kitchen table in this humble little uh, retreat space in Bali. Mm. And, uh, and then I went back and, and it was just a life-changing thing 
to to do that and and uh, and I discovered my purpose um, and I remember I think it, my statement was I'm a, I'm a fire starter at a slumber party yeah, I remember uh, <laughs> Uh, was it fire fireworks or fireworks at a slumber party? Yeah, fireworks at a slumber party. Yeah. Like I was so yeah. committed to helping people because you know, I knew that was my superpower. But but because of some stuff that had happened earlier in my life, um, I turned away from teaching and and sharing. And but that's what I love to do. But um, I, I went on other paths. But I I realized there there and then and then a few years later, of course, right reliable education came to be, and we built this in you know relatively large. Um, you know, education company and tens of millions of dollars in sales and all of that. But it was actually really fun and soulful and what I was meant to do all along and uh, why I always, you know, whenever you were at our events, which is almost always, would call you out and identify. Because without, without you, there wouldn't have been a reliable education. That's, that's why I went on that path. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do want to say I, I usually recommend to people they don't make any huge decisions in the middle of the process because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's actually one of the fears people have um, when they're considering coming. When they sign up, they're gonna they go. I'm going to have to change everything. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> Some people, like, leave their partners, quit their jobs, and go on a pilgrimage, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that stuff, whatever happens, is truly meant to happen. And this speeds up the process. So it takes courage to see what's really inside of you that wants to come out. But I usually tell people because each day you're discovering new things about who you are and your true path. But, you know, say you're halfway through, you think, oh, I've got enough I need now. You know, I've seen it all this. I'm going to do this decision. And, but just wait, you know, for, for most people, for normal people, you're not a normal person for normal people. I say, just, you know, wait until the end. And then if there's a big decision to make, if there's a big change, it's so obvious. It's just the next obvious step. It's not some crazy jumping off a cliff thing. It's just like, this is what's to be done. But a lot of people, right, their lives careered off course years ago, right? And it's just, they never course corrected and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And decades can go by of not addressing that course correction two decades ago and they find themselves in a really unhappy place living a life that they never like I was married when I was 19 to the first girl that I would that ever dated me right like um at church and so um that that kind of decision is absolutely life-changing we were two kids that didn't even know ourselves let alone each other right but there are people who are in those kinds of relationships and not just intimate relationships but careers and that they've, they've sort of been drawn into this life that where they were never consciously choosing as an adult much at all which is why your work is so interventionary it's like pulling the car over from the side of the road and going let's let's stop for a sec and let's check the map <laughs> quit quit just take a moment you got to stop driving yeah to to take the time to reassess and you know part of it um, that I was reminded of when you were speaking before was the space that we, that you've got to do this work in. It can't be done in your normal chaos. Like you have to make a sacred space in your life. That's what I call it. A sacred space where you're interrupting the patterns where you're, you're whatever habits you have, whatever you reach for when you're uncomfortable or you're bored or first thing in the morning or late in the evening, like all that stuff's just, 
a lot of it's just unconscious, these, these habits of what you do. And one of the most powerful things you could do is interrupt those habits. So like at the, you know, this is whether you do it at home, like at the virtual program, which is over 28 days or the retreat, which is about a week is you have to make this, this space in your life. So it's things like no coffee, no caffeine, no alcohol, which are, those are just two of the most obvious ones. That's like, we just reach for that. We feel tired and we reach for it or we feel wound up and we, we reach for it. But those things that's the energy of the past. Like it's unconscious, habitual, more of the same. And it has nothing to do with you hearing that deepest voice inside of you. So we have to make this, this space in your life and in your mind for you to start to hear it, that. It, it, it always amazes me when people are like, oh man, you know, like a week to go to a retreat. And, and you know, I'm like, dude, this is your life. Like the TV show says, right? Dude, like, it's so important that work, you know, which is why I went back and did it a second time and had just as transformational experience the second time with a whole different crew. But you're absolutely right there. And it's probably why the retreat industry is booming so much. You know, I have a friend about to go to Bali and do a fitness one, which is a month. It's all food, unlimited access to their workout programs. It's a physical transformation type thing. But you're fully immersed with world-class trainers, world-class gyms, completely new environment. And I think that's what people need. We need real intervention um, for this work. And yeah, so... A reset. We need a reset. There's so many people just that just need to hit the reset button. Um, and then there's other people that want to hit the surprise button. <laughs> you know, it's just you've got to shake it up to, to really get back. And the good news is it's, it's all in there it's not out there it's in there and and i i find that it's so important so what's what's um what are some of the transformations you've seen apart from me you've, you've had you know hundreds and hundreds of people through there i mean it's, it seems to be routinely people just come out just shaking their head going every person i've referred and it's a lot that have been through your program has texted me pretty much afterwards or sent me a video and just said adam i can't thank you enough it was mm the best thing I've done for myself as an adult. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that pretty standard with people? It's, it's, um, you know, uh, without wanting to sound like a wanker like this, this, the process itself and the reliability of it to take people to the deepest place they've ever been inside themselves and bring these answers up to the surface and get this, this it's like coming home it's like mm. you just know okay this is who i am and this is what i want and what i'm here to do it works like you know like 97 percent of the time mm. where it's one of the most profound experiences in people's lives mm. and then you know afterwards what i see is that people have a different pace of like how much they surrender to this path that, that they've illuminated you're an example of someone who was very ready ripe for this massive change in your life maybe because you'd had you know severe anxiety that was kind of debilitating to you mm. and you are a creator you're you're dynamic you're energetic you you're you're dynamite at a slumber party dynamite that's what, that's it, what was. it was yeah so and, and I also want to say that you're, you know, the, what I've found about purpose is that this is a unique way of being mm. that you have. Mm. And then from there, once you understand this unique way of being that, that uplifts and empowers other people, that taps you into the flow, that works magic for other people, 
that oftentimes is just about your, your presence. You just being there with the intention of being dynamite at a slumber party. Mm. And that's just, people can feel it. Mm. And then once you know that, then you can see what are the dreams that are going to enable you to be and express and fulfill your purpose. So reliable was a dream of, of a way that you could be this. You could be a leader. You could be that for your colleagues, your partners, your staff, and your clients. You, I mean, you, you were there just, boom, waking people up. So uh, I got a little sidetracked. What was that? Oh, no, I was just... Um, you know, asking how have you seen it manifesting oh, yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so sometimes um, people have a, a a subtle shift where they could have a business or they could um, have a professional role, and once they have identified their purpose, then they can start to focus on that within their business or within their role, and there aren't massive changes on the outside but maybe in the past they were just like going to work was just like drudgery you know they they were bored they weren't challenged they weren't really like using the the gifts that they have and then they're able to refocus and start to bring those gifts to what they're doing and then there are other people who leave businesses start new businesses um you know one of my favorite ones is is your friend dean murphy who his, his, <laughs> uh, his, his, this is at one of your events, his wife came up to me and said, I think my husband needs to do your vision quest retreat. <laughs> I said, does he think he needs to? And she goes, I don't know if he knows about it. I said, well, it's pretty important that he, he, he wants to do it. He knows what it is and that he wants to do it because that, that is one thing I've seen in the past is, you know, if a, a partner can bring a partner, you know, one partner can be really into it, not really tell their wife what it is. I had that happen one time and she didn't, she didn't want to do this deep reflective work, you know, so that was tough. So now I make sure that like anyone who's considering coming, we have a conversation. They know exactly what it is. I, we can make sure that they're a good fit for it. But anyway, she told him about it. He and I had a chat. He goes, yeah, okay. I, th I think it sounds good. And he said, you know, he, he came because he, he felt a bit bored. Um, he was a business owner and felt a bit bored by it. Not, not very challenged. Things were, were sounding almost too easy for him. And he came, did the process, and connected with this dream of sailing around the world. And I think it was about a year later, they sold the business, rented out their home, put stuff in storage, bought a boat in France, flew over with their two kids, took them out of school, and sailed around the world. And then COVID hit, so it turned into like a two-year um, yeah. two adventure. And um, we caught up on the way to uh, your, your bachelor weekend. He got a ride with me. And... I got to hear all about that. And it's just, you know, he, he was saying, this is just something, if we hadn't have done it then, we never would have done it. You know, the kids would be in high school and have their, you know, their friends and their sports. I, I think everything. Dean would still be at sea if he could be. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the two kids. But I know Dean, Dean was at my poker night last week. And that, I think, for the rest of his life and Chantel's and the kids is going to be something that they will never have taken away from them. Um, I mean, that was an extraordinary thing that they did buying a 42-foot barley catamaran in France, because Chantelle, of course, is French, mm. picking it up. And we were in France last year, actually, and we went to where they bought their boat, Cass and I, and Chantelle organized our whole itinerary. And we were sitting there on the port in La Rochelle, my wife and I, with our feet hanging over the, the edge of the thousands-year-old port, having ice cream, looking at the boats, and just thinking about that and thinking of you and how instrumental you were in making that dream happen. And I remember sitting there thinking... 
this is Rick's work, you know. And Dean to this day, you know, says openly it was, you know, a highlight of his life and the memories that were collected. Because, you know, I think the older I get, the more I realise there is no guarantees. I've lost friends to disease, suicide, um, all kinds of things, the older that you get. And you realise that if you are on this earth, you just don't know. One of my very best friends in the world uh, lives one floor beneath me in the building where I live, went off to a super successful guy in his career, made millions of dollars, all of that, was taking his beautiful daughter over to see Santa Claus a year and a bit ago. Whereas in the the North Pole, you know, they actually have a Santa Claus village and uh, they were talking about it all year and they've got their own train that takes you in there and everything. And he got to the hotel and was in excruciating pain and um, they rushed him to hospital and he spent three months touch and go, got a staph infection, nearly killed him. Um, this was a year and a half ago. He now lives in Bali and, uh, you know, has, has been there for a year and a half now and just said, I come back to Australia for work to run my business now and then, but it's more or less under management now and he comes back and runs it part time. But I've never seen a human being happier. He's so happy. He's spending so much time with his wife and kids. You just don't know what is around the corner in life. And we had dinner just last week and he said, Adam, you just don't know how long you got, mate. Like, you've got to make sure that you are doing what matters most in your life. And I mean, I, I know, Rick, even today, uh, I still struggle with it as an entrepreneur of that fine line between making sure that you are living in the moment and whenever I spend time with you, my energy just adjusts because I can feel this sense of calmness and connection that radiates from you. And it's just such a beautiful reminder for me to like, dude, like, remember those retreats, remember this, like, it's just muscle memory. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful to get any time with you because it's, I, I sort of, well, I think I've said it a number of times from stage, you're my sort of happiness guru, you know, <laughs> um, a reminder, a walking reminder of, of the frailty and beauty of life. Mm. Um, this, yeah, you know, yeah. th- this is why, you know, talking about the seed of where the, the process came from is when I, after I got sick, my life changed so much, so mm. fast mm. and, and how, just in how I was and mm. how, how, how I started to communicate for the first time, really, cause I used to be really aloof. Like that's kind of my nature, you know, be kind of private, reserved and aloof and hide in the background, that kind of thing to where I started to go, no this is the moment right here. Like if I, if, if I love someone, I'm going to say it here. If I appreciate something, I'm going to say, I appreciate it right now. And that's so powerful, man. And I wanted to, to, you know, the seed was how can I help people have an experience like this where they wake up to how precious this moment is as well as who they are and what their true direction is. How do you do that without putting a gun to someone's head without them having the diagnosis of a life-threatening illness? So, you know, that was just a, just, just a wish for many years until I finally just ran one, did the best I could do and went from there. Kind of reminds me of a great movie, which I don't know if you've seen it, called American Beauty with Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love that film. And, uh, you know, setting aside Kevin's, you know, uh, personal life and later years, the movie is phenomenal. Mm. That scene where the guy's watching the paper bag, the, the shopping bag just blow around in the wind. And, mm. and when he has that awakening, 
Kevin Spacey's character has that awakening in life mm -hmm. and just this is my life this. I can do what pleases me like, yeah when he goes through the drive through in yeah. the car and says you got any jobs guy he's like 50 year old dude and they said uh, he says I want a job with as little responsibility as possible and ends up at a drive through checkout yeah. but it's such a beautiful film in reminding us the frailty and beauty of 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 this experience that we have you know and um yeah, so look, this is an interview that could go on for forever, but I think at this point I'd like to just sort of, if, if this is a pod that has resonated with you in any way um, uh, and you're feeling that calling, because even now you probably can feel it inside if this is something for you, then reach out to Rick because, um, yeah, I, I've done it twice, the actual in-person physical retreat, and I, that's, that's what I love doing. Um, I can't recommend it highly enough to go and give yourself the gift of this. Um, so how do people connect with you today, Rick, if they want to hang out with you for a week or join one of your virtual programs? What's the best way to connect? Best way is go to the website, visionquest.com, and it's spelled with a Y, V-Y-S-I-O-N, quest. Visionquest.com, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of free resources on there, uh, links to podcasts, uh, a master class that I have, uh, free vision sessions, and currently I'm running some uh, mini workshops. But you know these things change, so I don't know if these will be yeah. available in the future. But um, and basically, reach out, send me an email. I'm happy to have a chat and yeah, see if you're a good fit for the program. And it's like when people once they you know they kind of understand the basics of it. It's this thing where people just feel it. Like maybe even while you're listening to this podcast, your, your hair stood up on your arm or something was yeah. like tickling in your belly and you're just going, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult to put this experience into words. This is an experience beyond words, but you know, the energy of it is really what it's about. So people can feel that when they, they hear us talk about it or they, you know, see a message on social media or something like that. There's a, there is a resonance. There's this thing that's just going something in that. So, so the voice that's dying to come out is saying, mm -hmm. you know, Adam, do this, you know. And this is me, for you guys watching at home or listening, this is me giving you permission to do this because a lot of times people just don't give themselves permission to make an investment into themselves, not just the financial investment, but the investment. Like I know there's probably a lot of mums that are super committed with the kids and dads as well that are like, uh, you know, I can't, it's too much to put on my partner or, or no, like put the oxygen mask on first because you will come home a better version of you for your family. Um, you'll come home more peaceful, um, more connected. Uh, so this is me giving you permission to, to just put you first for a moment, invest the time, invest the money. These retreats do cost money to put on and, and Rick has people that help him do it as well. So, um, yeah, guys, please, if, if you feel this, uh, this is me telling you as a friend, uh, I would. there's not one person that I would not recommend this to. It's just so powerful and interventionary and gets you back in connection with uh, this wonderful, incredible gift that you have. If you're, if you're watching this and you're listening to this, as bad as you might think it is, um, just know that... It, <laughs> The, the, it, 
you are blessed beyond measure. I don't know how else to say it. it, it you really are, and, and Rick will help you uh, remember that and, uh, and become a shining, um, peaceful example of that and return you back to that state of flow and, and happiness and joy that, that is just hiding underneath layers and layers of stuff that modern life puts on us. And uh, so, yeah, please reach out to Rick. Rick, brother, thank you for your time as always. Super appreciate you, man. Thank you for being here. Thank you for changing my life and being such a steadfast guide for me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Adam. Yeah. Thank you for, for your courage in doing this work and in just taking it and running with it and being the rising tide for so many people. Yeah, love you, mate. Love you too. Cheers. Ain't nothing about this is luck. Boy, this ain't ambition. Nothing gets in our way. We on a clear mission. We making plans. We just trying to lift society. Working so hard that we growing notoriety. And we born with the drive. Yeah, it's inside of me. Eric, Mark, and James. We giving game. They inspiring. Adam clear with the vision, it's so deployable. You do what you want when you live in life, unemployable. 